0: Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. We're near the end, near the end of our study. We're seeing the most important truths in God's Word, and that is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again, who pays for sin and conquers death. In this final section, we are seeing the basically the resurrection of our Savior. He has completed His three, three-and-a-half-year ministry, which was in Galilee. He has come to Jerusalem. He's been arrested. He's been tried, and He's been crucified. We are now seeing that He not only died on the cross to pay for our sins, but He has risen from the dead, proving that He indeed is the Messiah and the Savior. As we continue, we are seeing the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He is alive. And for the last several weeks, that's what we've been doing, seeing this. Now, first we started by seeing the empty tomb. The angels told the women that he had risen. Then, the last uh, last time we met, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we actually began seeing the appearances. And here's what we saw. We saw, first of all, he appeared to Mary Magdalene by the tomb. Then he appeared to some other women as they were coming from the tomb. And then uh, he appears to two on the road to Emmaus. And that's where we are in this passage when we look at Luke 24, starting about verse 13. That's where he has seen these two on the road to Emmaus. Well, this morning we're going to continue that. He is walking with the two as they're going to this little village. But two things stand out as we look at this passage. First, that Jesus reminds them of the plan of the Messiah, that the plan of the Messiah was to die and rise again. He reminds them that because they, they haven't got it. They thought the Messiah was going to come, that he's going to whip the Romans, he's going to rule, he's David's greater son, he's going to rule on the throne of Israel and be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But what they've forgotten is that the plan was the Messiah would die and then rise again. And so we're seeing that. He has to remind him of that. But then Jesus teaches the Word of God about himself. He actually takes them through what we would call today as the Tanakh. What's the Old Testament? The Torah Nebium Ketuvim. That's the Old Testament. That's what the Hebrews call it. The Jewish people call it today. He took through and taught the Old Testament, showing who He was through there. It's really powerful. We'll see it as we go through the passage. So as we study this morning, we want to be encouraged to proclaim the great truths that Jesus Christ has died and rose again, He's paid for sin, He's conquered death, and He gives eternal life to anyone who will believe. Well, as we begin, you know, as believers, we have a goal. One of the goals that we have is to know the Bible, to know the Word of God and to pass it on to others. For us to do that, we have to study it, we have to know it, we have to apply it, and then we have to teach it. We all have favorite teachers. Those who are able to communicate God's Word clearly so we can understand it. Think about your life. Who Who is it that teaches you the Word of God that really helped you? See, in my life, there have been three men who actually helped me know the Scripture. One was a man by the name of Nat Clark. His name was James V. Clark. He was the pastor back in Mississippi where I when I was coaching at Mississippi State. It was the church that I went to. And he actually taught the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage. He helped me put it together. And then some of you know a man named Ken Shepard. He just came and did our men's retreat. He was a pastor in Borger, Texas when I was in seminary. He is a great teacher. I've known him for most of my life, and uh, he helped me see the Bible and put it together as a whole. And then the third great teacher in my life has been a man named Howard Hendricks. He's a professor at Dallas Seminary. He is able to communicate God's Word and truth in a very great way. So who is your favorite teacher? Who is the best teacher of all? Well, I can tell you who the best teacher is. I know the answer. The best teacher is Jesus. He is the greatest teacher who ever lived. First of all, he wrote the Bible. It's his It's his work. He knows it. And he taught the Word of God. No one could teach like Jesus. We'll see it in the passage even this morning. But you remember while Jesus was doing his ministry, the religious leaders sent some men to arrest him. They wanted him arrested, And in John chapter 7, they got there and they came back without him. And the religious leader said, why didn't you arrest him? And they said, no one ever taught like this. He teaches with authority. Well, this morning we're going to see the greatest teacher teaching the Word of God. He takes two people through the entire Old Testament and talks about himself. So wouldn't you have loved to have been there? Wouldn't it have been the greatest thing to hear Jesus teaching? One of these days we'll get to be with him. We'll say, Jesus, uh, teach us Deuteronomy. You know, We didn't like it so much when it was down here, but maybe you could teach it and we would really like it. Maybe that will be good. So, we're going to see some great things. Let's begin. Jesus uh, has died on the cross. He's paid for sin. And He has been buried. Three days later, He rose from the grave. The women out, went out to the tomb, and it was empty. Now, remember this. As we study these passages, these people who believed in Jesus, they were not expecting Him to rise from the dead. They just not put, didn't put it together. Here's these people who believed in Him. They saw Him crucified. They saw Him buried. The women going out in the morning aren't going out expecting to see an empty tomb they're going out expecting to anoint the body and when they went out there it was an empty tomb and they actually thought maybe somebody took the body when they went out there one of the women named Mary Magdalene left she went back to tell Peter somebody's moved the body after she left angels appeared to these women and said to them that why are you looking for the living among the dead he has risen just as he said don't you remember how he taught that and then they remembered And they went back to tell some of the men. And what we saw last time, we saw Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, and he told her to go tell others. Then Jesus appeared to some of these women, the women who had been at the tomb. They're on the way back, and... They are told about Jesus, they see him and then they are told to go tell other people. And then this morning as we're seeing it, the, we're seeing our passage this morning, Jesus is, is going to appear to two men, two people walking into a village called Emmaus. It's just a little place, seven miles from Jerusalem, and he joins them, but they don't know it's him. He did something miraculous. He did something supernatural. When he started being with them, they didn't recognize him. And we'll see the patches. Let me break it down for you this morning. Even though we've got Luke 24, 22 through 32, I want to just give you the, kind of the big passage all put together. Jesus on the road to Emmaus starts at verse 13 there. Two are walking. Jesus joins them. They discuss the events. Then they tell about the women at the tomb, and then Jesus actually teaches them. And then the second part of our passage is they get to Emmaus, and they urge Jesus to stay with them. He breaks bread, and they realize who he is, and we see their response. So it's a really, really powerful passage, and we'll see it this morning. Let's begin with a re- brief review, because we this was a couple of weeks ago that we went through this, we started it. We, uh, as you know, we always go verse by verse, passage by passage. Let me help you put the story together, because actually, if we start at verse 20, We're in the middle of the story. So let me give you a a little review. Look at verse 13 of Luke 24. It says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And it starts off that two disciples were walking. And it says uh, uh, they're going to a little village, a little place. Probably they were from that town. It's called Emmaus. It's just south of Jerusalem, about seven miles. And it said that they were uh, in this very day. What day? Well, this is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. In fact, if you look at the calendar, the Jewish calendar, Jesus died on Passover. That was the 14th day of the first month. He rose from the grave on the first day of the week, which was called the Feast of First Fruits. So this very day that these men are walking on the road is called the Feast of First Fruits. And this is the day Jesus rose from the grave. Now, he is already... Appeared to Mary Magdalene. He's already appeared to some of the women, and we're going to see that he appears to these two men. Now, what we don't know, and we'll find out next week, we'll find out that he's already also appeared to Peter. We just don't know it yet. So he's appeared to these two people walking on the road. And it says, the whole two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. What things were they talking about? How that they saw Jesus get arrested and suffer and die on the cross and that he was buried and, and they, they knew that he was dead. In fact, if you talk to them and you say, Do you think Jesus is alive? They would say, no, he's not alive. We, we saw him kill him. We saw him put in the grave. That's what they think. They had also heard, we'll see it in a minute, they had heard that some of the women went out to the tomb and it was empty. And they don't know what to think about that. They don't know whether somebody got the body. They don't know whether Jesus is alive. Who knows? Notice, while they were walking, verse 15, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, as they're walking to this little village, Jesus joins them. Now, we talked about this several weeks ago, that when people traveled in those days, they usually traveled in groups. You didn't want to go by yourself because a robber would jump on you and steal your stuff. And so a lot of times you k- k- traveled in groups, so they are two walking, and so Jesus joins them, and, and they don't know it's Jesus, but that's not unusual for three people, four people, to, to just join up together because it was safety. And so they were, they were walking along, and Jesus joins them, and their eyes, notice, their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him. God does, Jesus does a supernatural thing. He fixes it where they don't recognize Him. Now, I want you to understand, they knew him. They knew he was. They spent time with him. They're disciples of Christ. They know Peter and James and John and everybody else. These guys are, are close. And so they don't recognize Jesus. Now, they've been talking back and forth. Watch, watch what Jesus does, verse 17. And he said to them, What are the words which you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. Now, Jesus says, What are you exchanging? What are the words you're exchanging? Now, the best we can tell, they were they were talking and they were going back and forth. One might say, well, you think he's alive? Well, I think he's dead. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if he's dead. What about this? What about the women? And so they're going back and forth. And Jesus says, what are the words that you're going back and forth on? What are you talking about? And it says, they stood still looking sad. Now, I want you to understand, they do not believe Jesus is risen from the grave. If they had, they would not be looking sad. They still think that he's dead. He's dead. They saw him crucified. They saw him put in the tomb. Everybody knows it. Everybody's sad. It's been three days since this happened. And if you said to them, do you think Jesus is alive? They'd say, well, we hope we wish he had been, but, but he's, he's not. So he said to them, what are the words which you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. They saw him die. They saw him buried. They have heard the rumors, but they do not know. Believe he is risen from the dead. Now look at the answer when Jesus said, what what are y'all talking about? One of them, verse 18, one of them named Cleophas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Now, guy man, Cleophas, looks at Jesus, doesn't know it's Jesus, of course, and says, Wait a minute, are you a visitor? Are you the only one around here that doesn't know what's happened? Do you remember since this is Passover, thousands and thousands of people came to Jerusalem for the feast days? So everybody's around, everybody knows what's happened. And when Jesus said, What are you all talking about? He says, Wait a minute, are you a stranger? You don't know. Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on? What's happened in these days? And notice what Jesus does. And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people. They began to talk about Jesus. They said it was about this man named Jesus. He was a prophet. Now, I want you to understand something. By saying a prophet, they're not saying he's not the Messiah. See, the prophet... The Messiah, in a sense, was the prophet. Deuteronomy 18.15 says the prophet of God who is the Messiah. So when they call him a prophet, they know he was the Messiah, they was the, he was the Savior. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and everything. And so they said, well, it's about Jesus, you know, the, the, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word. Several weeks ago we talked about the deed and the word. The deeds, of course, are what he did, the words of what he said. Now, he had an incredible ministry in what he did because he, when most of the, most of his ministry was in around the Sea of Galilee, but people followed him all over the place. And he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he forgave forgiveness of sins and he fed people and he did all kind of things. He walked on the water. He did all of these things and people knew about it. And they saw him and they said his deeds were amazing. They were mighty. But his words as well, his message. His message is that he's the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He says, I give eternal life and you'll never perish. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Over and over, he told them who he was. And so they said he was mighty in deed and in word in the sight of God and the people. And then they say the sad thing. And how the chief priest, verse 20, and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. We saw what happened. We saw the religious leaders who hated him because he made them look so bad. Because they didn't want to lose their positions. We saw the religious leaders get him and arrest him and try him and take him to the Romans. And the Romans put him to death. The Romans crucified him. And for those weeks that as we went through those passages, we saw the crucifixion of our Savior and how He's beaten and wounded and bruised and put on the cross and separated from the Father and paid for our sins. Because we must realize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid for the sins of mankind. He's the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So He's that payment. They took Him off the cross. They buried Him. They saw all that. And as far as they know, He should still be in that tomb. And if the tomb is empty, somebody must have gotten that body because they just don't grasp it. Now notice the next words because this is the key. Verse 21. We were hoping. See, but we were hoping. That it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. They said, we thought He was the Savior. We thought He was going to, the one who, was going to, who, who would die on the cross and pay for sin. We thought He was the one who was going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thought He would be the one to rule. We thought He was David's greater son. It's been three days since all this happened. And it looks like it's over. It's over. We thought he was the one, but it looks like it's over. Now if you ask them, how's it going? They would say, not very good. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the Savior. He's dead. Everything we hoped for is over. But then there's a glimmer of hope. Because they tell Jesus something else. Because remember, they're standing there looking sad. We thought He was the Messiah. But then they say something. There's a glimmer of hope. Look what they say. Verse 22 22 says, But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. And there's this glimmer of hope because they heard something. And here's what they heard. And there's this contrast because they say the women among us amazed us. Now the word "amazed" is really a unique word in the Greek language. It means to be outside of yourself. You've heard somebody say they were beside themselves. That's what this word means. Yeah, I'm right. Bes- I'm so I'm so amazed. I'm beside myself. That's what this word means. It says these women amazed us. Well, what amazed us because they said they they were at the tomb earlier in the morning. Now you know what they told them. They told them that they went out to the tomb and it was empty, and two angels came and told them that Jesus was alive. Now I want you to understand something. In the first century, the testimony of a woman was not usually respected. Look at verse eleven. Back in chapter 24, when the women went to the tomb and they came back and they told it. Look at verse 11. But these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. The women had gone to the tomb, saw the angels. Angels told them Jesus was alive. They came back and told the guys and they said, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're saying. In fact, Peter and John ran to the tomb to find out. We'll see it more in just a second. It says, These women amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. Look what happened. They did not find the body. They did not find his body. And they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. See, when the women got there and they didn't find the body, they naturally assumed somebody stole the body. But before they could think that, angels appeared and said, Nobody stole the body. He's alive. Why would you look for the living among the dead? So they came back and told the guys. And they said, the angels said he was alive. Now, you know what? They didn't believe those women. So look what happened. Verse 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had also said. But him they did not see. Now we've already seen in our study of our passages that when the women came back and said that, Peter and John ran to the tomb. And you remember John was much younger than Peter. And John got there early and he got to the tomb and he stopped. And remember it's low and he looked down in there. He did not go in. There's a front room you could go into. And then there's places along the sides of the walls where they put the bodies. John does not go in. He stands in there and he looks in there. And about that time, Peter finally gets there. And Peter goes right into the room. He goes in and he sees where Jesus' body had lain and there was the wrappings all wrapped up. And this little napkin part went went around the head was over in another place. And Peter saw it. And he thought to himself, you know, if somebody's going to steal the body, you're not going to unwrap the body to steal the body. You're just going to take it out of here. How could the wrapping still be here? Where is the body? It says in the passage that when he left... He was wondering, he was marveling at what he had seen. But notice this. They did not see him. They didn't see Jesus. Now, you hear people say this. In fact, I was taught this. I heard people say, you know what the proof of the resurrection is? And I said, what? And they said, empty tomb. Proof of the resurrection in an empty tomb. They got the empty tomb right there. Do you think they believe that he rose? They got an empty tomb. You know what they're thinking? Somebody got the body. The proof of the resurrection is not an empty tomb. The proof of the resurrection is the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And Mary has already seen him. And the women have already seen him. And these two guys on the road, they don't know it, but they're seeing him right now. And they'll figure it out in just a minute. And Peter's going to see him. And then the eleven are going to see him. And then a group of five hundred at one time are going to see him. And before we finish our study, we've got about three more lessons in the Gospel of Luke. Before we finish our study, we're going to see Jesus appearing to these people over a period of 40 days, making sure they realize that He is alive. So it's not the empty tomb that is the proof of the resurrection. An empty tomb is an empty tomb. The risen Savior is the living Savior. That's the proof. They should have put this together. They should have understood it. Jesus taught before he ever got to Jerusalem. He taught time after time again. He was going to Jerusalem. He would be crucified, and he would rise again after three days. That was the plan in the Bible. If you go back to the Old Testament, the plan was the suffering servant is going to die for the sins of mankind and rise again. They should have got that. They should have known that. They didn't. And how are they right now? They are sad because they don't think He's alive. I want you to see what Jesus does. He does three things. First of all, He rebukes them. That's verse 25. Then He reminds them of the plan of the Messiah. That's verse 26. Then He teaches them from the Bible. That's verse 27. Let's look at that and we'll go quickly. But the first thing that Jesus does is He rebukes them. Look at verse 25. And He said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, he calls them foolish and slow of heart, which the word foolish means you're not thinking. You're just not thinking. In fact, where the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The idea of a fool is one who just doesn't think correctly. And then he says slow of heart, which means dull. Now, Jesus is not trying to win friends and influence people, right? He's telling them you are slow. You're not thinking. Wake up. Remember what you know. He said, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. They're slow to believe in all. Now they believed in some of the things that the prophets had spoken. See, they believed that the Messiah is going to rule and reign in righteousness and justice. They believed that he's the son of David, that is the king of kings and lord of lords. They believed the Messiah would whip the Romans and rule the world. That's what they believed. But that's just some of what the prophets had said. They needed to believe all the prophets, had said. Because the prophets said that the Messiah would suffer, that he would die, that he would be crushed, he would be wounded for our transgressions and our sins. The prophets talked about the seed of woman who would come and take the sins of mankind and then would die and rise again. See, they missed this. They missed the fact that the cross must come before the crown, that he must suffer and die before he rules and reigns. They missed it. If you'd said to them, "What's the Messiah going to do?" they'd say he's going to rule. But the truth is, what's the Messiah going to do? He's going to die and then he's going to rule. And they missed it. Later on in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12, Peter writes this. He says, "The prophets wrote and predicted the sufferings of Christ, that is his death, and the glories to follow, that's his resurrection." Now, notice Jesus rebukes him. Then the next thing he does, he reviews the plan of the Messiah. Verse 26, he says, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? He's saying this is what had to happen. The Christ had to suffer and then enter into his glory. Suffering is his death and entering into his glory is his resurrection. Think about it. The Christ must suffer. He's going to have to die. Then he's going to enter into his glory, which is his resurrection and the future reign. Now, in this passage, he calls himself the Christ. He says, was it not necessary for the Christ? Now I want you to understand something. Maybe maybe you've put this together, maybe you haven't. If you look in the Old Testament, there is a Hebrew word called Messiah, It's translated Messiah. It means the anointed one of God. In the New Testament there is a word called Christos, which is translated Christ, which means the anointed one of God. One is a Greek word, one is a Hebrew word. They both mean the Messiah, the Christ. The Anointing One of God in the Old Testament, three offices, prophets, priest, and king, were anointed for service, but nobody had all three offices, nobody. The only one who would have all three offices is the Messiah, the Christ, and that's Jesus. And he had had all three. He was the prophet, the priest, and king. He was the prophet who spoke the word of God. He was the priest who offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin. And he's the king who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords who rules and reigns on the throne of David. That's why he's called the Christ. The Christ is a title. When you say Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Okay, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, he was actually Jesus of Nazareth. That's what they called him. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. In those days, they didn't have last names. They said, this is Jesus of Nazareth. But they began to call him Jesus the Christ because he is the anointed one of God, the prophet, priest and king. He is the savior. And later on, we just say Jesus Christ. That's who he is. Jesus said, wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter in his glory? The plan of the Messiah was to come to the earth, to die on the cross, to pay for sin. That's suffering. And then to rise again. That's his glory. And to give eternal life to all who believe. Now watch what he does. He then teaches. uh, There's the Isaiah 53. He would die. And then, yeah, go to the next one. And that he would rise again. Now, watch what he does. He's going to teach the Bible to them. Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now, he started going back to the first five books of the Bible. Now, the Hebrew Bible was called or is called the Tanakh. It comes from three words, Torah, Nebuchadnezzar, Ketuvim. That's the prophet, the uh, the law, the writings and the prophets. That's what they. So if you go to a Jewish person, don't say Old Testament because they don't hold to a New Testament. So if you're going to talk to a Jewish person, say the Tanakh. He took the, what we'd say the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and he taught, beginning with the first five books, the Law of Moses, and then the rest of the Bible sometimes was called the Prophets. He taught, taught all the way through about himself. It's pretty incredible. He explained who he was. Wouldn't you love to have been there to hear Jesus teach the Scripture? To take through the Bible? Listen, he said, he probably went and talked about Genesis 3.15, the seed of woman is the Messiah. Genesis 12, the seed of Abraham is going to bless the entire world. That's the Messiah. In Genesis 22, when Abraham was going to offer up Isaac, and they said the Lord will provide, the provision is the Messiah. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, he's the son of David. He's the greater son and the king. Isaiah 53, he's the one who suffers and serves, uh, suffering servant who dies for us. In Psalm 16.10, he's the one who rises from the dead. In Micah 5, he's the one born in Bethlehem existing from all eternity. In Isaiah 9, he's the wonderful father, the mighty counselor, the prince of peace. In Isaiah 7, he is the one born of the virgin. He is the one that is the picture of the tabernacle. He is the priesthood. He is every sacrifice in the Old Testament. He is the feast days because he died on Passover and rose on first fruits. Every aspect of the Old Testament was a foreshadow and a picture of Jesus Christ. Would you have loved to watch Jesus teach through the Bible and say, that's the Messiah, that's the Messiah, that's the Messiah right there. See this? That's the Messiah. See what he's going to do? Taking you all the way through the Bible. One day you can be with him and you can say, Jesus, would you teach us some of the things that you taught those guys on the road? How did they respond to it? It says in verse 32 their hearts were burning, they were on fire. They were going, How does he know this? This is incredible. Well, what happened? We'll go quickly. They approached the village, verse twenty eight. They approached the village where they were going. He acted as if was going further. And they said to him, They urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward the evening, and the day is nearly over, so he went in to stay with them. So they said, It's almost time, you know, it's getting dark. Just stay with us. Watch verse thirty, because it's a little bit unusual. Sometimes we read things and we don't think about them. Verse thirty, when he reclined to the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Now I want you to understand, this is not his house. He's at their house. When you go to somebody's house, you don't serve the meal and break the bread. The person who owns the house serves the meal and breaks the bread. But they go in and Jesus takes over. They see Jesus as the authority. Jesus sits at the meal in their house and he breaks the bread. And blessed it. And began giving it to them. But notice what happened. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. As soon as he started giving out the bread, they recognized him. It may be that when he handed out the bread, they saw the scars on his hand. And they recognized him. And they realized, this, was Je- this is Jesus. And when they recognized him, he vanished from their sight. Literally, Greek says, he became invisible. Disappearing. You can see him going. Did you see what? I- well, he was here, wasn't he? he was- you did see that. Yeah, you did. And they said to each other, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while He was speaking to us on the road, while He was explaining the Scriptures to us? Why? Because He's the greatest teacher ever. Because He's the one that wrote the Scripture. Because the Scripture's about Him. He's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God. He's the seed of woman. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the son of David. He's the one born in Bethlehem. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the suffering servant. He is the one who was, would not see corruption but rise from the grave. That's who He is. Now what have seen? We've seen He's already appeared to Mary. He's appeared to the women. He's appeared to these two, two guys. We're going to find out that they're going to rush back. They're not even going to spend the night. They're going to rush back to Jerusalem to tell everybody they just saw Jesus. And when they get there, they're going to find out that Jesus has already appeared to Peter. And as we continue the next few weeks, we're going to see the appearances of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and His commission to these disciples and to us. We'll see it. Well, Jesus walked with the two men on the road. They're sad because they're discussing the events of the death of Christ. They tell Jesus what happened. He rebukes them. He reminds them. And then He teaches them. He explains about Himself from the entire Old Testament. They stop to eat. They recognize who He is. And He vanishes. And they realize it was Jesus who taught them. And so they're going to go tell others. Let me give you some applications. first one is this. Understand the prophecies concerning the Messiah. The Old Testament taught a great deal about the Messiah. They talked about the fact that that, that the whole Old Testament is full of the pictures, the foreshadows, the types of Jesus Christ. That's why he went through there and was teaching those things. The plan was twofold, okay? Understand it. Number one, that the Messiah would die for the sins of the world. Isaiah 53 talks about he's bruised and wounded and crushed for our iniquities. But there's part two of this. And that is that the Messiah would rise again and rule as the king, psalm 16 10 talks about him rising from the grave second samuel 7 12 through 17 talks about him ruling as the king as david's greater son so understand the bible that the old testament talked about the death and the resurrection of the messiah the second thing is teach the truths of god's word to others we have the plan just as jesus taught these guys the scripture we need to teach other people the scripture in fact we need to do three things we need to study the word 2 timothy 2:15, so we can know it then we need to live it out our our lives apply it, Philippians 4 9, and then we need to take the time to teach others the Word of God, 2 Timothy 2 2. We need to help them understand these truths so they can understand who Jesus is and what He has done. The third thing that we do is proclaim the good news message to our community. See, Jesus died and rose again. He's the Son of God who came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. He's alive and He gives eternal life to all who believe. Our goal, our dream, our plan, our commission is to go into this community and tell people what Jesus has done. How he died and rose again and he gives eternal life. He is a Savior to all who believe in him. May we understand God's word concerning our Savior. May we proclaim the salvation message in this community. And may we teach believers the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Thank you that the Old Testament talked and the the prophecies all talked about Jesus the Messiah, the one who would die on the cross to pay for sin, the one who would rise again. Thank you that Jesus did that. He died and rose again and whoever believes in him has eternal life. Lord, may we proclaim that good news message to our community. Lord, we also realize we have the privilege of teaching others truth. May we study the Bible, may we live it out, and may we teach others. Thank you, Lord, that as we go out these doors, we have the good news message of salvation. May we tell Others, so that they too can know how to have eternal life simply as a gift by faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.